Bestbookbits.com brings you the book summary of The Setup by Dan Bilzerian. Dan takes readers on a wild ride, from his anything but normal childhood to the insanity that has followed him on his journey to becoming one of the most famous people in the world. Read about his upbringing, military service, gambling, guns and other toys, and about girls, lots of girls. And for the first time, Dan talks openly about how he is able to live unapologetically, live his dreams using a simple method that he calls the setup. The setup is a jam packed with crazy stories and incredible photos that bring readers into the world of Dan Bilzerian. On with the book summary. The book starts in Florida in 1987. Dan's dad, Paul Bilzerian, was going to prison. Paul was a corporate takeover specialist who convinced himself he was operating within the boundaries of the law. When the judge decided otherwise, they sentenced him to four years. Dan was seven and his brother was five. That left a huge mark on Dan. He was already bullied in school and this event only made the mockeries worse. Originally, no one knew the Bulzarians were rich. They lived way below their means and didn't own anything flashy. Dan's mum was particularly discreet. That changed when Paul got released after 13 months. The family moved into a 36,000 square foot mansion and suddenly everyone was nicer to Dan. Ernie. Ernie was Bolzerian's neighbour. While his house was only 25% of that of the Bolzerians, he fascinated Dan. Ernie was different. He liked to spend and show his money. He had an endless stream of people in and out of his house. He always seemed to have more fun than Dan's dad and often had good looking girls with him despite being of average look. Watching him, Dan understood that not only money could buy happiness, but that it could buy so much more, like guns and girls, things Dan has always been obsessed with. Mexico. As he put it, Dan's family, particularly his dad, encouraged him to be fearless. That led to troubles at school, and Dan was expelled while his defense having been diagnosed with ADHD. Paul sent his son to his brother in Minnesota and paid him $4,000 a month to take care of him. Eventually, Dan was expelled again, so his parents sent him to a military boarding school. Dan became friends with a rich Mexican kid named Pedro. Pedro invited him to spend Thanksgiving in Mexico. They took the plane, and Dan, 14 years old at the time, asked to buy a gun. His friend refused but offered to buy a gun powder instead. They lifted off on a field and, excited, started throwing it off the window in the limousine in which they were riding. Eventually, they created an accident and almost killed somebody. A few days later, bored, Pedro took Dan to a brothel, and Dan lost his virginity to a Mexican prostitute without knowing so. Utah. Dan's family eventually relocated to Utah. Dan hated his life there. His days were spent smoking weed and masturbating to whatever he could find on television. He was still bullied, had no girlfriends, and got along neither with his brother nor his parents. His only friend was a cute girl named Chalet. Dan was in love with her. Not knowing what to do, he never tried anything with her. One day, some kids from the neighborhood caught Dan masturbating in his basement and taped the whole thing. They threatened Dan to pay them up or they would show the video to everyone and beat him up. Luckily, Chalet caught them watching the video on camera, stole it, and destroyed the evidence. Shortly after, the Bulzarians went back to Florida. Girls. Dan had enough with the bullying. He began lifting weights and trained to be part of the baseball team. He made friends and suddenly he was popular. Dan was expelled from yet another school and his family moved back to Utah. 
he hung out with a group of guys that went to the mall to talk to girls, and Dan tried mushrooms for the first time. That same year, his dad bought a lot of five houses in Minnesota, so Dan spent the summer there with his friend John, a wrestler. Minnesota was great. It was full of bikini girls during the summer. Dan and John would offer the girls to go wakeboarding, then go back to the house to drink and smoke. And that's how Dan began hooking up with them. This changed everything. He understood that getting laid was much easier if the environment was right for it. He understood the importance of a setup. He noticed that the more he tried to get laid, the less likely it would happen. But when he simply invited a bunch of girls to do something together, have a good time and took the pressure off, then the girls were happy to sleep with him. At the end of the summer, Dan went back to Utah and bragged about the guns in his car on the first day of school. When the teachers heard it, they called the police and checked the car, and Dan was sentenced to prison. He stayed 21 days until he made a plea with the state. He'd get out, but he would never be allowed back to Utah. He went back to Florida and figured out what he wanted. He wanted to make his dad proud. He wanted to be part of something special. He wanted respect, and he wanted to impress girls. So like his dad, he got into the military with the intent to become a Navy SEAL. The military part one. Dan eventually enlisted in the Navy in preparation for SEAL training based in San Diego. When his legs started to hurt, he was diagnosed with bilateral tibial stress fractures and ordered to be on put on light duties for nine months. That would delay by two years his entry into the SEAL programs so he gave back the crutches and decided to do the steel program on broken legs. At first, the doctor from the program refused, but Dan convinced the captain otherwise. He began his training and went until the end of the hell week. By then, the pain had become so big, he was given some time off and would pick up the training with the next class. During that time, Dan was supposed to stay on base, despite the fact he was living off base. When an instructor reported him leaving, he was kicked out of the training. The Military Part 2 After he was dropped from SEAL training, Dan went to Mexico to take steroids. He wanted more muscles and it was the only way he knew how. He eventually had to report back to the Navy and was sent doing janitor work on the island, then to a ship headed for Japan. Dan was supposed to be on crutches but the commanding officer wouldn't let him. When they arrived in Okinawa, he went to see a doctor that ordered a scan of Dan's legs. They were broken indeed. Dan was recommended with a medical retirement and rested four months in Okinawa before returning for the SEAL again. Obviously, he was refused. On paper, Dan was on limited duty, permanently disabled to the point he couldn't perform regular duty and scheduled to be medically discharged, but he wanted to do it. While his dad advised against it, he made a couple of phone calls and Dan was admitted back into the program. Doing it a second time was easier because he knew what to expect. Halfway through, Dan was called into the office. His dad was back in prison, and the feds were offering Dan to get him out if he gave them 33% of his and his brother's trust fund. Prior to Paul's first day in prison, the fund was worth $96 million. When Dan handed off to the feds, it was only worth $10 million. He signed, and Paul got out. Dan's $3 million eventually dipped to $1 million, and he sold it all in 2020. The end of the SEAL training eventually came. 36 hours away from graduation, Dan was suddenly woken up by the instructors. He had slept through a drill. He was expelled from the training and given a choice, coming back after a year or coming back after four months. Broken, ashamed, and depressed, he chose the latter.
a few weeks into this new training, he was once again pulled aside. The officers wanted to drop him, this time without any reason. Dan didn't fit. He couldn't respect the guidelines and the SEALs wanted discipline. Dan understood they would never let him graduate, so he gave up. University. Four years after joining the Navy, Bolzerian was honorably discharged. Since he was considered 60% disabled, he got free medical care for life, free education, and almost $5,000 a month of retirement money. So he joined university. The first semester, Dan had sex with 13 girls. He had friends, was popular, and was in good shape. His time had finally come. He noticed how great house parties were when there was a higher women-slash-men ratio. There were plenty of bedrooms and bathrooms to have sex, girls were provided with an excuse to dress lightly, theme parties, and the alcohol and weed worked great as a social lubricant. The setup was perfect. Poker. Seeing the money Dan was making out of his retirement, Dan's brother Adam decided to teach him poker. Dan got quickly addicted, and at the end of the first year of university, he was playing up to 10 online games at once. His style was aggressive, and throughout his second year, he lost all his money. Completely addicted, no one wanted to lend him anything. He sold a couple of guns and other possessions and managed to get $750 for one last shot. He took it to the casino and decided he would not stop until he reached $10,000 or go broke. It took him six days. At the end of his marathon, he figured he was ready. He bought a ticket to Las Vegas and went playing at the Bellagio. He played 16 hours a day for a month. Thanks to the internet, other players assumed he was rich due to his father's fortune and he got to play with people that had a lot of money. After 30 days, he made $187,000. It was more money than he had ever seen. It felt so good that he wanted more. Rise. That month playing in Vegas refined Dan's style. Instead of being super aggressive, he learned to be patient. He started winning online and traveled where there were poker tournaments. He never played through them, too much competition. He looked for cash games instead. He wanted to be perceived as rich and bad. So he could play against other rich and bad players and get their money. He eventually met Nick Cassavetes, movie director who invited him to play at his house. And from there, he started meeting other people. About his success, Bilzerian had to say this. The poker books and self-help courses will never teach you this, but the first step towards succeeding at anything from poker to attracting women to life in general, depends on finding a way to cram the most experience in the shortest period of time. That might seem obvious, but I looked at the average live poker player and did some simple math. Playing in a home or casino game, live players see on average around 20 hands an hour and usually sit for a 10 hour stretch. That works out to seeing around 200 hands per day. I would play 10 online tables at once, seeing around 100 hands per hour at each table. So by playing 14 hours a day, I looked at roughly 14,000 hands each day. It wasn't long before I'd seen more hands online than what even the most obsessed live players saw in a lifetime. He quit university during his fourth year and played poker full time. He'd go to New York, LA and Vegas. He'd pay everyone in the casino to get a seat at the table with the rich bad players. He met lawyer and Harvard professor Tom Goldstein and musician John Delmayan and eventually joined Molly's Games, which enabled him to meet more people. It was around that time he got a heart attack after snorting coke, taking Viagra, snowboarding and partying for three days. 
while any rational person would slow down their lifestyle after such an event, Dan doubled down. He moved to Vegas in 2009 so we could play full-time. In Vegas, everybody hustled to make money in one way or another, and girls monetized the time they were spending with guys. Dan never wanted to have anything to do with that, so instead of paying girls to spend time with him, he paid them to do fun stuff like drinking 10 shots in 10 minutes. That made girls qualify themselves to him. He was perceived as one with the power in the relationship, so he'd often bring them home. Around that time, he met the famous Antonio Esfandiori, a world winner poker player. Dan observed how rich people wanted to play with him and girls wanted to be with him. He was the constant focus of attention because he was famous. Dan decided he wanted to leverage fame too. Ford versus Ferrari. After dating a Playboy playmate and spending one night in prison for pursuing armed someone that had cheated him in a card game, Dan was offered a bet by his friend Tom Goldstein. Tom had just purchased a new Ferrari and bet Dan he'd drive it faster than his Cobra. They bet $300,000 and other behavioral incentives. If he lost, Dan couldn't masturbate for a month. If Tom lost, he had to get high with Dan. Tom had never smoked weed. Dan hired a driving coach and Tom sought his own advice. On the day of the race, fans from the car and poker world came to see who'd win, and Dan won. Tom smoked with Dan that same night, but didn't feel anything, so he left. 30 minutes later, he called Dan. He was high and had to abandon his car in the middle of the boulevard in Vegas. Dan went to get him at the Bellagio poker room and lent him money so that he could play with the Ferrari as collateral. Models. In April 2011, the Fed shut down the online poker world. Molly's game stopped, too, due to one of the players having operated a giant Ponzi scheme. Everyone that had earned money from him was sued. Nick Casavitas told Dan he had to pay the settlement in which he to himself so that Dan could come back to the games he'd organized. Dan had lost a lot of money that year, and it had been a tough time, so he paid. It was around that time that Dan realized that party promoters were preventing him and everyone else from getting laid with girls in nightclubs. Here's why. Promoters made money when people came and spent at parties. To attract them, they would line up hot girls in clubs and somehow get them not to have sex with anyone so guys would keep on coming back, hoping to get laid. Dan changed that. He paid promoters $1,000 for each girl they would introduce him to and that he'd have sex with. Suddenly, promoters had vested interest in Dan having sex. This is how he met three models he took to a party in San Diego. When he arrived, he noticed how nice the house was, although it had very little furniture. The guy that was renting it got it for $6,000 instead of the traditional $80,000 a month it would go for. Dan offered to split the cost of the rent and furnish the place entirely. The guy agreed, and just like that, Dan was back in San Diego, looking much richer than he was. The house would enable him to get more girls and get into better poker games with richer people. First Trips and Sam Dan spent his days playing poker and his nights partying. Anywhere he'd go, he'd call promoters to line up girls for him and would subsequently invite them to trips. That's how he ended up going to Cabo with Nick Casavitas and nine other girls. It was around that time he created his Instagram account. He figured that jealously and fear of missing out worked well with girls. He saw in social media a tool to let every girl on the planet know what he was up to without texting them. Hence, 
without showing interest. Dan became a regular player at Nick Cassavit's game where he'd met Sam Magid. I'd never really figured out who the guy was, and Dan neither. All we know is that he was extremely rich and managed to repeatedly break the law, but was never bothered by it. Sam and Dan became friends. They would often play each other. Dan bet Sam every time, and the sums were astronomical, up to $300,000 per game. Dan was a drug addict and never wanted to stop playing. They'd play all night long together. While Sam would settle his debt with cash at the beginning, it became harder and harder to get paid, so Dan offered him to play at the casino instead if Sam wired $1 million in advance. Sam agreed. That day, Dan lost $700,000 and then got $300,000 back. Later, Sam challenged him again and Dan won $750,000. He was tired, addicted and stressed, but he couldn't get out. There was no other way to make as much money as fast. Raising the stakes. Dan eventually met Clarence, a hedge fund manager. The book makes it explicit that Clarence is a fake name. So who is Clarence? Clarence is Bill Perkins, a hedge fund manager from Texas. The book gives it away easily. We know that Clarence is from Texas and that he wrote a book about dying with zero money. Bill Perkins happens to be from Texas and has a book written, Die With Zero, a book about dying with no money. We also know Clarence is black like Bill Perkins. And finally, everyone knows that Perkins is Dan's best friend since it's all over Instagram. One day, Dan lost a million playing poker. So Bill, which was present, told him to change profession. Dan wanted out too, so Perkins got him into acting. He first played in Olympus Has Fallen, then played in Lone Survivor, in which he had also invested money. Later billionaire Alec Gores, who followed Dan's Instagram, offered Dan to play against him. Alec was famous for playing super high hands and rumors he had been beaten by billionaire Andy Beal for $700 million. Dan, who still seemed richer than he actually was, met Alec in his $50 million mansions and was directly intimidated. Alec proposed to play for $1 million to $5 million, but Dan offered $500,000 instead. That night, he made $1.6 million, then $2.5 million on another occasion. Alec and Dan became friends and played often together. One night, Dan earned $7.7 million. Hosting. Dan liked LA. He rent-splitted a house there and hosted poker games that gave him access to more players. He hired hot girls to serve drinks and give massages. These girls were making so much money in tips that soon, every girl wanted to work for Dan. The more Dan played, the more that enabled him to meet more people and make more money. He started sponsoring professional poker players that didn't even have enough money for certain tournaments and made money off their winnings. He eventually got tired of poker again and got a role in Nick Casavita's movie, The Other Woman, with Cameron Diaz. It ended up being a disaster. Later, he got another role in The Equalizer, starring Denzel Washington. It was better and Denzel even complimented Dan on his acting. This was huge for him since he was a fan. Dan went back to playing poker with Alec Gores, and it was so stressful that he did recurrent trips to relax, always inviting more girls. By that stage, he had no longer needed any promoters. He was rich, his Instagram was growing, and he was making so much money he decided to donate to various philanthropic organizations and to his grandma. He bought a plane, more cars, and then wondered what to do next. Fame. 
Dan had seen how his rich friends reacted to famous people. While people asked him for one or two pics once in a while, it wasn't crazy. He was extremely well known in some circles, but a nobody to the rest of society. Now, he wanted to be famous. Really famous. In his own words, I saw how the women at the pool parties behaved whenever a celebrity entered the property. Fame was access. It was a validation. It was power. And it had an added bonus of compelling women to fuck me with less effort on my part. Fame was a whole setup in itself and of itself and the only thing I didn't really have. So he hired a camera guy to document his life on Instagram. There was only one rule he had to follow. Honesty. Dan didn't want to look fake and he didn't want to rehearse. He wanted to look 100% authentic. The take was good or it gone forever. His Instagram quickly blew up. Steve Anoki, who he had met years earlier, invited him to watch one of his concerts from the backstage. At the end of the show, Steve called Dan to say hi to the crowd. Dan went, stood there, not knowing what to do. Some people were passing each other a canoe, so Steve told Dan to jump on it. He did, and that's the story of the famous canoe photo. Porn star. One day, Hustler called. They wanted to make a photo shoot with Dan and two porn stars playing poker. They came into Dan's house and tried different poses, none of which suited. One of them got the idea to throw one of the girls in the swimming pool from the rooftop of the house. They did, and the girl hurt herself when falling into the water. The incident got Dan international press coverage, which got him more international IG followers. Later, he was invited to the Cannes Film Festival and hung out with every living star in the world. He obsessed what worldwide fame was like, the power it had on people and women, and vouched to reach that level. He bought a house in Vegas and started throwing parties. By that time, his Instagram was big enough so that girls would both send him nudes and message to hang out with him. He started being invited to the most prestigious gatherings with A-list celebrities and billionaires. In his own words, he started getting paid to do stuff he'd do for free, such as hosting parties. Clubs paid $75,000 and lined up models for him to be present. Girls walked up to him telling him straight they wanted to fuck him. Months earlier, he had sex with a girl without saying a word. Meanwhile, he was still hosting poker games and made around $80,000 a night in tips. His fame was at such a peak that stars asked to hang out with him too. Among them was Wiz Khalifa, Miley Cyrus, and Leonardo DiCaprio. One day, Dan went to the desert to blow up a truck stacked with explosives. A couple of days later, the police arrested him at the LA airport. While none of this had been legal, the government wanted to take him down. He pleaded guilty and paid a $75,000 fine. When the government goes after you, the prosecutor cares about winning, not about right and wrong. Later, he got offered another role in a Bruce Willis movie called Extraction. He then went back home and threw another party. Each party had to be bigger than the former, and each was. There were ever more girls, the guest list was ever more exclusive, and girls were lining up to have sex with Dan like if they were at a dentist. At some point, Dan surprised what appeared to be Vin Diesel getting a blowjob in his closet at the same time as he did. That party was so wild it took two days to clean the house. Fame brain. Dan had a president schedule. Anywhere he went, people wanted to hang out with him, from politicians to models to celebrities. Dan used this to have sex with any girl he wanted. Bill Perkins called this the fame brain. 
The idea is that more people are eager to meet you, more people that don't know you are eager to meet you too. It's basically pre-selection. If you enter a bar with five models around you, the other girls will want to meet you. They will think if this guy has five incredibly beautiful girls around him, then he must be high value. So, I want to meet him. That's how Dan got sex with every girl he met, including famous models with boyfriends and husbands. Later, Dan went to meet billionaire Tim Heddington. The guy was insane. He'd pay people to do random stuff. He once threw a $200,000 of poker chips into a pool and told the girls the chips would be theirs only if they'd strip to go get them. He once went to a nightclub, bought 150 bottles of Dom Perignon, then left. Dan assisted to Tim's wife's birthday in Vegas. Tim had hired a bunch of Navy SEALs to skydive to the rooftop they were at. Dan was bewild. Shortly after, Todd Phillips, that Dan had met years earlier, offered him to have a short scene in War Dogs. After the shooting, Dan threw yet another party. Europe. Dan ended up stranded in Montenegro after flying with Tom Goldstein and his client, which happened to be a wanted man. Bill Perkins contacted him. He was in Italy, so Dan went to join him and they partied together. Bill had a yacht, but that yacht wasn't big enough for all the girls Dan had brought, so they had to rent another one. They spent the day getting high, eating and fucking. One day, Bill Perkins challenged Dan to cycle from Vegas to LA in less than 48 hours for $600,000. Dan accepted and Lance Armstrong offered to help. During their training, Dan questioned him about which drugs were best to take but Lance didn't answer any questions. After six weeks of preparation, Dan cycled the whole thing in 36 hours. The preparation had undergone got him off parties, poker, and sex for a while. He realized that he was much happier like that. He sold his LA house and went on a European trip with girls. At some point, he decided he needed more guy time, so he invited a bunch of US Army veterans and partied and shoot guns with him. Making others happy, satisfying much more than making himself happy. This led him to fly to Houston, win Katrina hit, and do other charitable activities, all leading up to November 2016. Testing the limits. Weed became legal in November 2016. Dan had definitely stopped playing poker and wanted to set up a business in that area. So he created Ignite. He bought a Vegas house for $25 million, then leased it, the famous LA mansion, for $2.4 million per year. It was game time. His parties had been ridiculously great so far. Yet people had seen nothing yet. The housewarming party had 485 girls and 40 guys. Three months later, Dan's dad Paul arranged for him and his family to get an Armenian passport. Paul had renounced his US citizenship and had acquired the Saint Kits and Nevis nationality. The country being rather small, he had also got an Armenian passport. The Bulzarians were originally Armenians. So Dan flew to Yerevan to get his documents. After meeting with bureaucrats, the army had subsequently scheduled a gun firing day. They offered Dan the chance to shoot a rocket into the side of a mountain. Without disclosing it, it was a disputed territory with Azerbaijan. The next day, Booker had issued an international warrant for Dan's arrest. Meanwhile, Dan had flown to Thailand to meet Bill Perkins and party together. They had sex with girls, ate and played Fruit Ninja on the beach with real fruits. Too much. Dan understood that more did not always mean better. As he was traveling with 18 girls in Antigua, he realized he had bought too many of them. 
the girls had created some sort of hierarchy among themselves based on how many had the most IG followers. As a result, they were all fighting to be on Dan's IG page. It was such a mess that to cool things down, he set up the page at Ignite Models so the girls could be featured there. But he was tired. Everyone constantly demanded his attention. So he took some mushrooms and paddled to the sea alone. That day he learned a lesson. But he wasn't ready yet to apply it. Later on he went back to Europe and chartered a giant yacht for a trip in Italy with girls on it. Once again, there were too many girls, too many options, and no fun. Dan realized he wasn't happy. Every time he reached a summit, he'd directly look toward reaching the next one. He never ever stopped to enjoy the moment. He did everything he could to build the Ignite brand, but it became too much and he was losing his soul in the process. In his own words, People think money can buy happiness, but it can only buy pleasure. Those are very different things. Happiness comes from doing things you love. Happiness is a state of mind, not something that you need to feed, and it can last a lifetime if you keep your mind right. Pleasure, on the other hand, needs to be fed. It comes from hedonism, sex, money, partying, and self-indulgence. It's addictive and functions exactly like a drug. You get an intense high that quickly flees. The more you do it, the more you need to do it to get the same high. And after a while, you don't even get high anymore. But you have to do it just to not feel like shit. I had fully maxed out these highs for so long, I couldn't feel pleasure anymore, let alone happiness. The latest Ferrari I bought didn't even give me pleasure for 24 hours. I had fucked so many women, I was numb to it. I used to feel like I'd accomplished something when these things happen, but not anymore. Having objectives like money, pussy and power will never lead to happiness because no matter how much you have, you always want more. It's like trying to fill a black hole. You can't fill a black hole. These things are infinite and endless traps. I had so much more fun shrooming, surfing and hiking with my friends in Hawaii than I had on this vacation. I've found the things I've enjoyed the most in my life didn't cost much money. The book eventually ends with Dan throwing his last Halloween party in October 2019 in the Ignite house. 1,600 girls were present. And that's a wrap on this book summary. Dan Bolzerian, the setup. Let me know your thoughts in the comments below. If you want this summary in PDF format, click the link below to download this. We at Best Book Bids have done 1,000 book summaries in video written in audio format. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. And check out the website, bestbookbits.com. Thanks for watching and listening. Hope you got something from this. Have an amazing day. Take care. Bye-bye now.